We're going to be continuing in the book of James. We've been in a series called Faith at Work. And that uh, place we're going to be today is James 4. So if you happen to have brought a Bible, uh, you can find James 4. It's a book in the New Testament, so head kind of mostly to the right, and uh, you'll find it towards the end of the Bible. Uh, the Bible has an Old Testament, which are kind of the first books of the Bible, talking about the character of God and the people of God before Jesus, and then a New Testament are uh, just the encouragement of the way Jesus shows up on the scene as plan A, r- welcoming and declaring God's kingdom, and then the church moving, and then we get to be a part of that story. So it's an amazing thing. We'll be in James 4, but I want to give you a quick series recap. Um, The small group that I'm a part of, shameless plug for small groups, uh, have been studying uh, James along with the preaching series, and there is just so much. So we're going to get to some of it today, but we will not get to all of it today in James 4. So read it this week. Dig into what God's saying to you there. And I want to just give you a recap of where we've been over the last few weeks. The first is this. James encourages us to discover faith at work in every part of our life. See, James, the brother of Jesus... That's street cred immediately, I think, in writing to the church. He's writing to all the people of God scattered all over the place. And he's saying there is a faith in Jesus that should not be for the faith part of your life, but should be a faith at work in all of our life, every place, every space. As we saw in week two, Dallas Willard kind of gave us this charge to to engage our maturing and completing faith this way. Dallas Willard says this in one of his books, our failure to hear God's voice when we want to is due to the fact we do not in general want to hear it. I was like, oh man, Dallas, come on, dude. That we want it only when we think we need it. Only when we think we need it. We need it all the time. All the time. This was one of the encouragements we saw last week in Brian's message out of James 3. Um, If Dallas doesn't kind of jump into your life and kind of ruffle your feathers a little bit, I think James does for us. Check out James 3. Brian's message last week, if you did not get to hear it or be here, you can check it out online on our podcast. But this is James 3, 8 through 10. But no one among mankind can tame the tongue. No one. Among mankind contained the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. James, like isn't there a nicer way to say that? No, this is the truest way to say it. That tongue might be your self-talk. You know how deadly it is because you hear your own voice spewing poison to yourself day in and day out or you've heard the tongue of another. No one. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. What I loved about what Brian drew out for us is the the intersection of the emotional maturity God is calling us to, and out of the overflow of our heart, the mouth speaks. That's what the gospel writers say, and we get to this truth. The tongue exposes the fact we 
all need God. We all need transformation. We all need God to come and make right what is inside of us so that what comes out of us is aligned to his kingdom. That we would not bless and curse, but we would bless and bless and bless and never grow weary or tired. We all need God. So today, we're going to continue forward in this humility of our heart that recognizes we all need God. We all need the hope that he has. And so here's the framework for James 4 today. Again, I'm not going to get at all of it. James is writing more truth than I can unpack in one message. So my hope is you'll, you'll use it as, an, as a challenge and you'll use it as an invitation to read more this week and let the Holy Spirit speak to you through the scriptures. But James 4 is going to confront this, our motives and our maker. Everybody say motives and maker. And here's the punchline. We are invited to live with deep humility. The call to faith in Jesus is not one of arrogance and boasting, but of humility. It confronts every possible pride in me, which is great news for you. That is actually good news for every human that I encounter. And it's good news for you too. Because God loves you and he wants to do a work in you. And so we're going to use James 3 to to remind us we're going into this idea about relationships, our motives, and who our maker is. And so I want to read the last couple verses of James 3. And then I will read James 4. And so I just want us to pay attention to God highlighting what he might want to say to you today, how it meets you, how it speaks to you. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. If you want to ponder something and say, God, apply these scriptures to my life, Just take these and run. Take these and let them work for the sake of your heart, your mind, your relationships, your life. And watch how it sows into what comes next. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Now we're in James 4 verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Please don't be offended by this next part. You adulterous people. That's what James says. You adulterous people. He's writing to the tribes of God spread all over the place. He is calling out the church. 
Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And as we have said week in and week out, could James be any clearer? He is calling us with great hope into a grace that we all need. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Now listen. You who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there. Carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while, then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. I'm going to ask Alan to come up and just begin to preach this text for me. (laughs) Alan is our founding pastor, one more mature and wise. That, That was an insider joke if you don't know who our staff is. So Alan, our founding pastor, who is one of our pastors. Uh, Man, can you just feel the weight of this text? Like, I imagine in a room this large with this many people, there's at least one thing that kind of cuts to your life. And if you're like me, there's about eight. I'm just going, Lord, Lord, let me live in the way that James is calling me to live, that I might be free, that I might live a compelling faith at work in me that transforms me, that's life to the people around me, that sets me free so that I would not live under the weight of judgment, but I would live in the beauty and goodness of your grace. And I think that we have to begin where James starts, and it's this. When we understand that faith is at work, we have to ask, what are our motives? What are our motives? What is the condition of our heart hidden to the people out there and visible to the God who sees? What are our motives in our heart, in our walk with the Lord? What are our motives with the people around us? What are the motives of our life and how selfish and self-absorbed are they really? What are our motives? See, faith at work asks this question, are you living selfish or surrendered? Are your motives selfish and self-seeking? Or did you wake up again today and go, God, not my will, but your will be done? Are we learning how to submit our motives 
for the way of God's kingdom so that we would not go, I got and I got and I got for all of my pleasure. Sorry. (laughs) What are our motives? And where is there that collision of faith at work? And so what I think we need to understand is that we see it in James 1. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So here's a real practical application this week. The psalmists say this. They say, search me and know me, God. I want to give you some homework. Search your motives and then say, God, would you search me and know me? Reveal the things in me that I need to know about myself, and then would you speak? If our motives are selfish, we are missing the opportunity to let our faith go to work and align ourselves. And here's what it does. It steals from your relationships. Uh, I'm the middle of uh, a family of boys. Middle children unite. Let's go. Peacekeepers, peacemakers. I love what James 3 says. If you sow in peace, you will reap a harvest of righteousness. Search my motives, God, because I want it to be all about me. I used to think I was humble, and then I tell people I got married. I used to think I was selfless, and then I got married. And it just so happened in my story, I realized I wanted Lauren to do all sorts of things for me. Lauren is my wife. Because I had spent my whole growing up doing things for everybody else, and then it was my turn. Do you all hear what's coming out of my mouth right now? Tell me that we're not that different, right? See, if my motives are selfish, then everybody around there becomes somebody that I use for me. Faith at work in our relationships calls us to submit to the Lord so we can walk in the way of Jesus to love God and to love people. That our motives become the motive of Christ. Our heart becomes the heart of Christ. We need a faith at work to search our hearts, to search our minds, to search our motives. Because remember where I started? We all need a nap. (laughs) Oh, I thought I was going so good. We all need God. Okay, let's try that again. We all need God. That's where we started. We all need Because we all need to understand our motives are not pure. Our motives are not peace-loving. Our motives are selfish. And maybe not all the time, but enough that we need to own the fact that our motives are oftentimes selfish. But here's the good news. If you are God, you're free. Just do as you please. If you are your own maker, have at it. You set the rules, you set the way that it works in the world, and you can have that life. But here's what's interesting. If we keep reading, James is really clear. He says, search your motives. And then he says this, faith at work brings us to the next question, which is, who is our maker? And this has everything to do with our relationships. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. 
Submit yourselves to God. Who is your maker? Who is our maker? This is where faith begins. If we look back and go, I am not self-made. I am not the beginning of the story, but there is a God who spoke and created, a God who I am made in the likeness of. Remember James 3. We are made in the likeness of God. We have a source that is beyond ourselves, and we step into that story, and we go, God, you are God. I am not, and I humble myself in your presence, and I, I acknowledge I need you. Now we begin to have a source for our relationships where I'm not looking for people to fulfill me, I'm not looking for people to use, and I'm not parenting out of my own strength. I'm not a roommate out of my own strength. I'm not a friend at college out of my own strength. I'm not a friend in high school out of my own strength, but I am a friend and a companion and a human who says, living God, fill me with who you are so I can love people the way you do. And it's in the text. It is so good. Guys, come on, like this is so good. I didn't write it, like this isn't me, but it's in the text. If you are a friend of the world, that means you are an enemy of God, okay? Anybody have an enemy in your life right now? Here's why this matters. Here's why this matters. Jesus Christ crucified shows us how God loves his enemy. Jesus Christ in the flesh, Jesus Christ on the cross, Jesus Christ resurrected says this is what it looks like to love your enemy. It is the story of all stories that when we say yes to God, when we discover life in Jesus, we become a people who love that way because we know who our maker is. And everybody's made in the image of God. And we know who our maker is. And he's calling us into the love of God. And we know who our maker is. And when Jesus comes on the scene, he says this. You have heard it said, love your neighbor as yourself. But I say to you, love your enemy. Love your enemy. This is the way of my kingdom. This is the way when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. That is the prayer we are praying. We are submitting our judgment. We are submitting our authority to the living God. This is faith at work. This is the kind of faith that it will require in this day and time where division and angst and hate and exclusion and like the worst of the worst coming from our tongues to other people begins to grab hold of the church in humility and write a better story. This is where we begin to say amen. Here's why. I'm not asking you to say it in the room. I'm asking you to think about what this means, the weight of this for us today. This is the testimony that the, that the world needs to see. When we are submitted to God, God comes near. When we ask for God to come, God comes. And it changes our response to the people around us. Let it be. Who is our maker? 
Who is our maker? The faith at work means I have been made in the creator God's image, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in beautiful community from the beginning. And they want to pour life into me so that life would flow from me to the people in my life. When Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Every part of you, faith at work. And love your neighbor as yourself. It is as much timely today as it's ever been. And here's what I love about where James moves. Because what he understands is if we begin to step into this story and we let that kind of faith work in us, it will work out of us. Whatever is being stewarded in here comes out there. Whatever is happening in the hidden places of here and here comes out there. Moves towards people. Faith at work needs to be humility greater than selfishness. Faith at work, when I submit my life to the living God, means I am putting myself in the right spot in the story. Not less than it's supposed to be, but definitely not more than it's supposed to be. And this transformation is the empowered work of the Holy Spirit in and through the church today so that our lives will display our faith at work when we love God and we love people. This is the story. Come in. This is the way of God's kingdom. Come in further. As far in as you are in, God's saying there's more. I'll be honest, right now, the room is a hard read for me. I don't know if this is like so weighty that it's just like, that means my life needs to be different. And so here's my question. Do we think the world needs to look and be different? Let it start in us. Let us become a hope center for the world. That we would go, humility, it needs to happen in me first. And here's the, here's the place that James just jumps in our business have you ever had somebody tell you that you're sinning? It's great. Oh, it just makes you feel real good. You're a sinner. Y'all are like, oh, we're going there today. James, it's James's fault. It's the brother of Jesus. It's the brother of Jesus, okay? Remember this. He calls us out of judgment. Think about this for a second. He calls us out of judgment. That's not relinquishing truth, but it's relinquishing our position to try to do what only God can do. God is the judge. God the Father, revealed in Jesus, shows us the heart of God, crucified on a cross risen from a grave, praying for you right now. We don't need to try to take that on. We won't do well. So we don't need to walk around pointing out how sinful all of you are. Humility begins to go, God, you know what? That's me. I'm a sinner. I have sinned. There are times in my life, and James helps us. This is so beautiful. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. 
So just think about your own life. Nobody's pointing a finger at you. Has there ever been a time in your life you knew the right and the good that you were supposed to do and you did not do it? Like one time. Some of you are like, I guess twice, Kurt. You know, you got me. Faith at work calls us into a life of grace and truth, of word and deed. It's the fullness of God's kingdom coming and meeting me so that when I know what is right, I will do what is right. I will be full of the Holy Spirit. I will be led by the Holy Spirit. And this is the work of God from the earliest moment of our life for every kid and teen in our family. May it be so. For every young adult, may we get so good at hearing God's voice and experiencing God's call and lead on our life that when we know the good and the right we're supposed to do, we would do it. And we would walk in faithfulness and we would walk in humility. And when there's that moment we feel tempted to do what's wrong, we would remember James say, God is not tempting you. God is calling you into the things that are right and are good. Be free. Be free to do what is right and be free from sin because sin, when it's born fully in us, is death. But the good news of Jesus is everlasting life. This is the gospel story, day in and day out in our lives. So do what is right. And when you mess up, we humble ourselves and we go, God, I'm a sinner. And he goes, good news, I eat with sinners. Good news, heaven will be full of them. good news, there's grace, which reminds us that it's God's work, not ours. And so we get to know a loving God, and we begin to love God with more of our life, and we get to understand that means we're going to love people the way God does, so we're going to practice forgiveness. And all of our life, we will steward following his ways. All of our thoughts all of our action, all of our relationships will be places we say, let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come. Because when we begin to follow Jesus, it is all of our life. Because Jesus says this. He goes, look, I've given you all of mine. Do you want it? I've given you all of mine. Do you want it? I'm going to give you the best tip I've ever discovered. This is the extent of my wisdom. Are you ready? I have a master's in marriage and family therapy. I spent about a decade being trained and practicing while also pastoring. And this is my best relationship advice. Okay? Everybody, this is when we, right, get ready. Write it down. This is the best I got. Today you're deciding, can I follow him? I know that's what's happening right now in all of our hearts. I want you to think about all of your relationships in your life. This is not about shame. This is not about guilt. What's the one common thing in all of your relationships in your life? It's you. You are the consistent one in all of your relationships. And what I love about James is he says this, personal transformation is the way forward. Personal transformation. When I begin to love God with all of my life, I get invited into the transforming life of God. And that will be a gift to all the people around me.
And so wherever you are on your journey, we're going to have some time to pray here in a little bit. But if you are experiencing difficulty, if you're experiencing hard relationships, if you're experiencing a challenge, we can step into the text and say, God, give me wisdom for what I'm going through. Do your work in me. God, give me grace. God, bring healing. Bring hope. Do something in me for the sake of my life. Do something in me for the sake of this important relationship in my life. Set me free so that whoever I'm connected to will get me walking in freedom. Personal transformation is what happens when we allow faith at work. So our motives are aligned with our maker. And when we understand our motives aligning with our maker, we get invited in to kingdom mission so that all of our relationships are a place we step into the story of God bringing redemption here on earth. Let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come. If you know what is right, do it. And if you know what is right and you're not doing it, you're misaligned. You're sinning. And God calls you to turn. Jesus regularly said to people, you're forgiven, go sin no more. You're forgiven, you know the right you're supposed to do, go do it. That's really helpful language, right? Is that just me? I think it's super helpful. I'm just so grateful for James. This is great. All right, last thought for the morning. Here's what happens when we begin to understand the love of God and the love of people. Our lives, faith at work, let us step into the story of God here and now for kingdom mission. And kingdom mission means we align our relationships and our resources to our maker. Every relationship we have, every resource we have, is pointing back to our maker saying, this is a gift to you that I'm stewarding. It is your grace in my life, and it should be to glorify you. Everything becomes worship and mission. There is no place that God is not reaching. There is no space that God is not moving to bring more of his rule and his reign, his authority and his freedom, his hope and his healing. And he wants to do it in us and through us. All of our relationships and all of our resources. There are two R words in that thought. Which one do you feel more comfortable with God speaking to you about? Working in your relationships, beginning to lead and guide you to be a proclaimer and a demonstrator of His love, or in and through your resources? See, one of the things that I think is really important for us to understand here is if we know the right we're supposed to do, we begin to find ourselves in different parts of the story. And Jesus tells this story of a really, really wealthy person who comes and says, teacher, I have kept all the commandments. Like, wow, that's really good. I've kept all the commandments. And Jesus confronts him and he says, great. And he goes, what else do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, let me have access to your stuff. Paraphrased. It's the Kurt translation version. 
And it says he went away sad. Because his motives and his belief were still his stuff. But when we understand our maker, we begin to realize it's all God's. It's all God's. So I want to talk to you a little bit about faith at work in our financial stewardship. And I'm going to talk about me and I'm going to talk about our church. And I'm going to let God speak to you in the ways that it will be helpful to you today. Because it's really hard to step fully into the story of God if we are not letting God have our pocketbook, if we're not letting God have our calendar, if we're not letting God have our resources, our time, our talent, and our treasure. And this is a journey, and so I just want you to know, like, my heart around this has been pretty gripped by the Lord. So I was talking to one of our board members because probably for the last two or three months, every single day, I have found myself thinking about the finances of this church family. Every day for a solid few months. And, and I'm just going to use my own story to illuminate why I think it matters to search our motives and to know our maker and to be invited into the mission of God. You're getting a handout if you're in the room. If you're online, this uh, will all be emailed to people who've been willing to give us your email address and contact information, so feel free to do that. But one of the challenges in my own heart is to trust God around money. And this was when I was about six years old, eight years old. I remember asking my parents, do we have enough money to pay our bills? How many six or eight-year-olds in the room relate to my story? Six to eight years old, asking my parents, do we have enough money to pay our bills? It's been this decade after decade journey of me realizing God cares for me. So this morning when we sing, all my life you've been faithful, it grips my heart. And as I was talking to one of our board members, he said, Kurt, I think it's okay for you to share with the church where we're at a couple times if you're thinking about it every day. So I've been thinking about it every day for a few months, and so I'm sharing with you where we're at. And you're going to get a handout that talks about this. But as I've been spending time with the Lord, a few months ago I was praying to God, and God said this to me. He said, Kurt, you have not asked me for what you need. You're praying your worry and your anxiety at me, but you have not asked me. So I said, okay, God, I'm going to ask you to provide for our church. I want you to financially provide for our church. The second thing that happened a couple months later, a couple, yeah, I'm in the car and I'm praying and I'm praying and I'm praying and God says this, I am the same God no matter what your circumstances tell you. Trust me, the next two songs that come on the radio after I've been praying and I turn it on the car, a song called Same God You answered prayer back then, you answer prayer today. You provided back then, you provide today. I'm like, okay, Lord, that's good. The next progression for my own heart and soul. I kept looking for like, who are the people, who are the people that you will provide through, God? And he goes, that's not how it works, Kurt. He says, I am the provider, and I am gracious to provide through people, but don't look to people, look to me. A deeper, more humbling work in my own heart and soul. Last week, I'm on my porch, and here are the two things that I've been praying for like the last couple weeks. God, you have met my needs, and you've met our needs today. We have what we need today, and you have always met my needs. When we set out at the beginning of this year, our financial team worked with our staff, and we forecast a a budget, and we anticipated projecting growth, and guess what's happened? We've grown. It's amazing. It is amazing. We have grown. 
We are seeing new people participate in the life of our church. We're seeing new people give for the first time in our church. We have seen these beautiful things. We were able to add staff to, to sow into ministries, and we anticipated using savings, cash reserves, to invest in this year coming out of a pandemic to say, God, we know you want to do a deeper work in our city. And so we stewarded savings, and we planned to use savings. The thing that we couldn't plan for was unexpected facility maintenance that went even beyond. And so in the last two months, our cash reserves have moved to the tightest that they've ever moved to since I've been lead pastor. And it's a lot tighter now because we've had over $20,000 of additional facility maintenance. Thank God there's air conditioning in here. (laughs) It's good. It's good. But it puts us in a unique financial spot. It puts us in a spot where we have the lowest reserves that we've had to date. And I had to ask myself, is my confidence and trust in a bank account, or is it in a God who's active and alive and moves through his people? So God's been going to work on my heart, mind, and soul around stewarding his treasures and his gifts. Our financial team's making adjustments, and we've said no to things, and we're exploring things, but really what it puts us at is a place to say, before our church family, I'm going to ask you to do three things today. And I'm just going to trust that God will speak to you. So we're going to put a graphic up here that you have in your hands, that this will show up online for anybody who's watching online. The first thing I'm going to ask you to do for the entire month of October, I would like for you to pray every day with me and with our leadership team and with our staff. And I just want you to pray, God, would you provide, and God, would you speak to me about the ways you're providing in my life? Welcome God into your story around money, around your stuff, around your time. We want to pray. And if you've never prayed for God to lead you in stewarding your financial resources, I just want you to begin to pray that journey with God. I've needed to pray it over and over and over again, and I think this is a moment where we together get to grow because this is about trusting God with all. This is about discipleship. I'm going to ask you to contribute, and there are a lot of people who've begun contributing for the first time in the life of our church in the last few months. If you are already contributing, thank you. Thank you. I celebrate you. You are making it possible. You are helping us meet the needs of this season and this ministry as ministries are growing, kids' ministry is growing, student ministry is growing, impact and partnerships in the city are growing. So hear me, hear me, hear me. If you are already joining in the story of God here through your giving, thank you. If you have not yet, I want to encourage you to consider taking a step towards contribution. Because here's the truth. We can always do more together than we can do alone. So we begin our journey And I want to show you how we think about this. I'm just trying to be real transparent. When we step into the story of God in the local church here at the Vineyard, we say we give a first time. If you've never given, the first step is a first gift, however that works. That's an amazing thing. And then after you take a first gift, then you let God speak to you. And as you walk in faithfulness and joy and freedom, you begin to give regularly. And as you learn how to give regularly, this takes work because it means adjusting your budget because guess what? Every time you give money somewhere over here, there's less over here. Like, it's all connected. It's all connected. I told you, when when you eat out at Gringo's, you have less money in your account. But that queso was good, right? 
So then we want to learn how to give proportionally. Here's what I mean. There's a picture of proportional giving uh, on the slides, and it's this. It's just learning how to be intentional. Now, you might go Old Testament. They talk about tithing. That's giving a tenth of your income back to the Lord, okay, tithing. You might go, hey, Kurt, that's Old Testament. Jesus showed up. It's all New Testament. I'm glad you said that. Oh, man, you're like using the Bible against us. No, it's not. I'm just wanting you to see. Look at the impact. If you go from 1% to 10% and what you give, you give 10 times as much. The impact of stewarding this in light of God and his kingdom is significant. But the New Testament church in 2 Corinthians is this beautiful thing. And they gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then they will, uh, of God, also to us. So we urge Titus, just as he had earlier made at the beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. It is grace. And the grace invites me to be free if I give a tithe, and the grace calls me not to be limited or confounded or constrained by that, but to say, God, it's you. And maybe I learn how to give beyond a tithe because the Lord speaks and I'm faithful to that. This is about growing as a community to say yes to the impact that God has. And so what I put in front of you is the goals that we've put out for this season. The goals that we put out for this season because it's about kingdom impact. And so in humility, I just have to acknowledge our plans were exactly where we thought we would be in the year except for facility maintenance, which outpaced our giving. The way church works, our church, every dollar we have is through your generosity. No other outsources, no other money streams flowing in. It's just all through your kindness and your grace. And in ministry, sometimes money come at different intervals, and sometimes expenses come at different intervals. So it's normal to use some cash reserves, especially for a church our size coming out of a pandemic. I've talked to many other pastors. This is where a lot of people are. And so in humility, I'm just asking you to pray, to consider contributing, to hear my heart of deep gratitude if you already are. And the last thought is this. We will talk to you in December about year-end giving. December is always the largest single month of income we see in the year. And me, along with our team, are just asking you if you're in a position to, to consider giving your year-end gift early. If you're in a position to. Because we would love to see the first $60,000 that comes in above our normal month-to-month operating, we want to restore our reserves. We want to practice sound wisdom stewardship, so we want to build back up our savings so we can navigate the things that we can't see. Remember, don't boast about tomorrow and all the plans you have. I I love to have plans, but they just keep getting changed. So with wisdom, we want to look and ask God what he's up to, but with stewarding wisdom, we also want to restore our reserves. So that's the first plan for anything that comes over and above meeting our monthly expenses. And then we want to invest. We want to invest in kids and student ministry. We want to sow deeply into the next generation. We want to invest in small groups so that people are building connection and they're growing outside of our Sunday gatherings. We want to sow more goodness into the city and deepen partnerships so we can get behind our local food bank. We can get behind our local schools. We can 
join the fight for human trafficking and we can welcome refugees and we can say yes to God's kingdom coming here on earth. And so maybe this will be a moment where you hear the Lord invite you to a first-time gift. What I do believe for all of us is that we will all grow together. And I want you to hear this last part out of 2 Corinthians that struck me as I was reading it. Because this last part, if you can see, this dream is a resource church. We want to make facility improvements. We want to upgrade stuff. We want more space for what God's doing. Like Girl Scouts meet here. Young Life has met here. Another church plant is meeting here. Another church plant hosts leadership teams meetings here. Like We want this place to be used. But when I dream of being a resource church, this is what stood out to me in 2 Corinthians. And this is how we do more together. See if I can find the right spot. There it is. It's in chapter 8. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. As it is written, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. When we say yes together as a community, there is an equality of sacrifice Generosity is sacrifice, and as we are generous together, we want to build margin in our resources that we could be a blessing to other churches, to other ministries, to meet needs, to respond to crisis, to say, God, you have blessed us with plenty, but our plenty is not all for our own selfish pleasures and use on us, but that we could look outward. that we could trust you. And so I hope you can hear my heart as a heart of humility today to say, I trust you. These are the kinds of messages that terrify pastors. These are the kinds of messages you think, well, there goes half the congregation. And that's all lies. That is actually not the way of God. There is no compulsion or pressure. If you have not yet given in the life of our church, you are welcome to be here. Because maybe this is a season where we in our supply can meet the needs. So walk in grace and freedom. Let's pray. Without your contribution, we are poorer. And maybe if you're in a position to give a little early, it will be a huge gift. And you see our plan. And so God, we just acknowledge our need for you. We need you. We pray that as we continue to read your word, it would be life, and it would be freedom, and it would be hope. And so I humble myself with the community that I love and with this church family that I love, and we know that you love more. 
And we ask for you to speak and work your faith as grace in us. For families who are in a tight spot and they go, if I could stand on that stage and you could hear my story and my personal finances, you would hear my need for God. And so we say, God, come and meet needs today. God, we trust you. Search our motives. Align all of our life to you, our maker. And call us into this mission of God in the sake of the cities we love. Secure us today, we ask and pray. Come, Holy Spirit, and speak grace, speak freedom. Secure us in you, not our stuff. Secure us in you as our provider, our caretaker. We're going to close with some time of prayer, and uh, I'm going to invite you to stand. There's this response that I feel like is true for all of us, that faith at work gives us the humility to say, God, have your way. So if you have a relationship in your life that has been challenging, has been, uh, we want to pray for you today. We want you to pray that you would experience God meet you in that space. And specifically this, our team was praying, and the impact of the last couple years, you have lived under the, the weight of loneliness. You just feel lonely. We want to pray for God to come because there's this promise in James 4 that as you draw near to God, God draws near to you. And we want to stand together and do that together. The other thing, too, is just as I share about our financial situation and kind of outlook, um, we just want to pray for anybody who has financial need. We want to ask for God to meet you where you are. Um, So we'll invite all of our prayer ministry teams to come. If you're trained to pray, small group leader, staff, let's make as many people available because what we notice is the more people that are available, the more people come get prayer. So it's a real gift for those who do come. And thank you for being gracious. Thank you for joining together as a community who will pray. We want to pray for needs that you might have. If you just need time to yourself with the Lord, you can do that at your chair, but you can just come kneel. You can come down front. You don't have to receive prayer from the team, but you can come just wait in God's presence. And so feel free to respond, however God might be inviting you to respond. And if today is the day you go, God is my maker, I give you my life, I would love to pray for you as a step of faith into relationship and joining the kingdom. So God, we bless your community to receive everything they need from you. You are our maker. You have the capacity to speak life. So do that now. We pray that over each family, over each household, over each person. We pray that over your church. You love us. You have met our needs today. And we entrust tomorrow to you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I bless us to go and be aligned to you this week in all things to join your mission of heaven coming to earth. Amen.